Senior Lesson 392 Paul's Correction of Inconsistencies at Corinth Bible texts are taken from 1 Corinthians 12 1-31 and 1 Corinthians 14 1-40. Memory Verse Let all things be done unto edifying. 1 Corinthians 14.26 Notes The Lord's Supper In Corinth the practice had arisen of holding a dinner before the observance of the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread as Jesus had done with his disciples. This led to improper conduct, and people were becoming gluttonous at these dinners. Obviously, such things could not be carried on in the house of God. It was even more sacrilegious when done just prior to the partaking of an ordinance in memory of the sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of such sins. Paul commanded that eating was to be done at home, so that when they came together to observe the Lord's Supper, they could keep their minds on the sacredness of the occasion. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he said, For as often as ye eat this bread, and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. 1 Corinthians 11.26 It is a time in which to consider the tremendous sacrifice the Lord made for us, the all-importance of the blood he shed for the remission of sins. At the same time we are to look for his return, and have our hearts prepared for that event. Paul warned that if people partook of the cup of the Lord unworthily with sin in their heart, they were eating and drinking damnation to themselves. Many people in the church were weak in faith and sick in body, because they were guilty of partaking unworthily. When we partake of the emblems of the Lord's Supper and discern the body and blood of Jesus through them, we gain both spiritual and physical strength. Many people have been healed of bodily afflictions while partaking of the Lord's Supper as they considered what the blood of Jesus meant to them. The blood of Jesus bought our redemption, purified our hearts, and gave us healing. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53:5. All these blessings may be ours if we come to the Lord his way. Members of the Body of Christ there had been contention in the church at Corinth over the importance of various positions, but Paul tried to show them that each had his own work to do, and if he was faithful in that, he would gain the crown of life. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 8-9. Other gifts and ministrations were named also, at the conclusion was that all should work through the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man as the Spirit wills. Paul used the functions of the different members of the human body as an illustration of the various duties of the members of the body of Christ. Whether we are Jews or Gentiles, whether we are educated or illiterate, whether we are weak or strong physically, no matter what our disposition or natural characteristics, when we are born into the family of God, baptized by one spirit into one body, we can be used for the glory of God in one way or another. God has a work for everyone to do, and if one is faithful in that work, 
he will get his reward. God has not chosen people to do his work as man might choose. He looks not on the outward appearance, but on the heart. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, that no flesh should glory in his presence. 1 Corinthians 1 27 and 29 if everyone who claims to be working for the Lord would work only for the glory of God, there would be no divisions in the church. No one would try to gain a higher position than his fellow man. With a real burden on his heart for the salvation of others, he would not even think of himself, let alone try to exalt himself. Forasmuch as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. May God help us to do all that we do for the purpose of building up Christ's kingdom. Speaking in other tongues. One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the church was the gift of speaking in tongues. This manifestation of the Spirit of God was the ability of the person who had received it to speak a language or languages, which he did not know when the Spirit inspired him to do so. It would be a definite language, known and understood by others, not an unintelligible gibberish. Paul was quoting from Isaiah when he said, With men of other tongues and other lips, will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord 1 Corinthians 14.21. People who do not want the truth of God's word, will not be moved to conversion by supernatural manifestations. A witness to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The gift of tongues is separate and distinct from the witness the Spirit gives to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When a sanctified person is endued with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit witnesses by speaking through him in another tongue, as on the day of Pentecost. When the 120 in the upper room were baptized with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance, Acts 2-4, that it was not to be limited to the 120 was manifest when the believers at the house of Cornelius eight years later were baptized with the Holy Ghost. The disciples knew they too had received the baptism, for they heard them speak with tongues, and magnify God Acts 10.46. Again, 23 years later when Paul was at Ephesus, the Holy Ghost came upon a group of people, and they spake with tongues, and prophesied Acts 19.6. This was not the gift of tongues, but the witness to the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They may never have spoken in tongues again, or only at such times as God especially blessed in prayer. Speaking for the glory of God, the people in the church at Corinth had been overdoing the gift of tongues that God had given them, and Paul rebuked them for their lack of wisdom and understanding in the matter. Paul stated that if the unlearned came into their meeting and could not understand what was being said, they would think the congregation all mad. How much better it would be to speak the things that God had done for them in such a manner that all could understand. The sinner would be convicted if he could comprehend the love of Christ for him, and the power in the blood of Jesus to redeem him from sin. If the personal testimony is given to glorify God, 
It convinces the sinner of the truth of God's word. A song sung with the anointing of the Spirit upon the singer will also bring conviction to the sinner. But whatever is done in a public worship service must be done decently and in order, if it is to redound to the glory of God. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints, false tongues. Much unnecessary reproach has been brought upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of the desire of some people to prove their spirituality by speaking in other tongues. A holy life, dedicated to the service of God, is of first importance, and the Spirit of God will not speak through any other. If one is not living a holy life, and is depending on supernatural manifestations as a measure of his spiritual stature, he is deceiving himself, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness 2 Thessalonians 2 10-12. The Spirit of God and His Word agree, the Apostle John said, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, 1 John 4 1. The Bible is God's final word to man, and he is not giving any new revelations which contradict that word. God will not make any allowances for sin, and without holiness, no man shall see God, Hebrews 12 14. Women Preachers In the text of our lesson we read, Let your women keep silence in the churches. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Many people have taken from this that it is contrary to God's word for women to testify, teach, preach, or to hold office in the church. However, other texts of scripture do not bear out this idea. Paul was admonishing the Corinthians against disorder and confusion in the church, and he no doubt had reference to the same thing in commanding the women to keep silent, who obviously were causing confusion by talking and asking questions. When he spoke on this subject in 1 Timothy 2.12, he was not speaking of women who had been called of God out of those who had usurped authority, and assumed their office without a divine call. Of course, Paul would not let such teach, but none would have been quicker than Paul to recognize and accept one who was called of God to the ministry, whether man or woman. Paul said of those who had been baptized into Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.28 Priscilla was associated with her husband Aquila in the work of the gospel, and Paul took no exception to her ministry, for in Romans he writes, Greet Priscilla and Aquila my helpers in Christ Jesus Romans 16.3 On the day of Pentecost the women were included among the 120 in the upper room Acts 1.14 and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Peter said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy Acts 2 1-18. It is evident from these texts that God makes no distinction between men and women. His gifts and callings are bestowed upon those he can trust, whether they be men or women. Whenever the Spirit of God is given leadership in a human heart or in a church, there are no divisions or contentions. When the Spirit leads, there is harmony and unity of the faith, and God can work for the salvation of souls and the upbuilding of his kingdom.